Is Kool-Aid McKinstry the best cornerback in the SEC next year? And if he isn't, is it somebody from Auburn by chance? Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson is me, Jimmy Stein as him. Jimmy, I got to ask you a question. Shoot. The, our friends over at Locked On Auburn had a whole podcast yesterday. I usually don't steal material from them. Or if I ever do, I don't like to give them credit for the fact that I stole it. But, look, they were talking about DJ James, who is from the state of Alabama and an Auburn quarter, cornerback who transferred in from Oregon. They believe he's better than Kool-Aid McKinstry for next year. Mm. And I was kind of blown away by the mere mention of it that the thought would pass through their collective brains. But the more I've looked into it, it's not as crazy as it sounds, though I still vehemently disagree. Please back me up. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be biased because, you know, I'm an Alabama guy and and sort of not, not an Auburn guy, so I'm going to be biased. So uh, knew, knowing we would talk about this, I went to an, an unbiased uh, opinion, and that is of a PFF, Pro Football Focus, who, you know, they're not the ultimate arbiter of things. I, I, I sometimes disagree or, or, or find hard to believe some of the, the, the things that they espouse over there. But uh, per PFF, they did a uh, top 10 cornerbacks returning to college football. Who are the top 10 cornerbacks that are back next season? And they had and of course, PFF could care less about Alabama Auburn stuff. They had Kool Aid McKinstry number one, the number one cornerback in the country for next season. And that lines up with a lot of things we've seen draft wise, uh, preseason, all American wise. Uh, so it's not crazy to me that, that Kool Aid would be number one PFF. What's interesting is they did not have DJ James in the top 10, they had two Georgia corners including Bullard, who I think is fantastic, and Marshall from Florida, who's, uh, who's really, really good. They had those guys uh, in the top 10, but no DJ James. So I think, I think I, I will say this, this because I, I'm really familiar with DJ James. He's from Spanish Ford. He's kind of from my backyard. So I, I know his game well, and I know him uh, of him, and I followed his career at Oregon, and then, of course, his transfer to Auburn. He's a good player. He, he is really good. As a matter of fact, we might be talking about next season. Uh, I think it might be fair to say that DJ James might be the best player on Auburn's team. Uh, I think that's reasonable or something that's possible. Auburn's other corner, Nehemiah Pritchett, is a really good player too. And I think Auburn actually might be the strength of their team, maybe the best or one of the best cornerback duos in college football uh and together they will form a pretty good unit and, and something you got to be weary of when leery of whenever you play auburn but uh no i i, I don't buy dj james as as good as kool-aid i think kool-aid is the best cornerback in college football and he is going to be the highest drafted cornerback out of that draft class 
Yeah, and uh, again, the two of them, uh, my main man, Zach Blackerby, is the host of Locked on Auburn. He's been a guest on this program. He's, he's really good. Zach's really good at what he does, and he had a co-host yeah. that particular day, and Lindsey Crosby, I think is his name. And they used uh, Pro Football Focus, a lot of their information, to sort of prop up their argument. And I thought Crosby had a – it was a very Auburn way to say this, and I think it was truly Auburn where he said, look, if if you stack up – Kool-Aid versus DJ, and you ask who's who's going to have the better year, most everybody's going to bet on Kool-Aid, and the odds would favor Kool-Aid. But I'm going to bet on DJ because I think that's where the smart money is. And I, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's that's I guess that's fine. Yeah. It, look, we are not saying DJ James isn't good. In fact – No, I no, like no. Him. He's a good player. Like Real good player. I like him a lot. I especially like the fact – that he's uh, from Alabama, and even more so, just like I said yesterday, talking about Mobile guys, if I think you're a B player, if you're from Mobile, I'm automatically rounding up to a B plus. Uh, if I think you're a C player, C plus, A, A plus, all that, if you're from Mobile, you're going to get extra points from me for that all the time. Um, but it, I, I don't think it's, it, it's really all that particularly close. I will say this. I was a little shocked. The stats – and the uh, the physical attributes are eerily similar. Uh, yeah. Kool-Aid is listed at 6'1", anywhere from 185 to 190. DJ is 6'1", anywhere from 175 to 185. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to get exact weights at this point. Both of them had around 35, 36, 37 tackles last year. Uh, Kool-Aid had a few more individual tackles. Uh, Kool-Aid had a sack. DJ didn't. They both had one interception. They both had an interception against Little Sisters of the Poor. Alabama was Austin P, and um, uh, uh, DJ James's was Western Kentucky. Um, now, here's where the line of demarcation comes in. And I'll say this. The Locked on Auburn guys used this argument, that DJ James is better because he's doing what he's doing in a defense that doesn't have as many talented players. That is certainly true, number one. However, I would counter that with Alabama also had to play teams like Tennessee last year. Had Auburn played Tennessee, I bet you all their quarterback stats would have looked worse. Is right. that fair to say? Sure. Uh, and and here, here's one thing about cornerback stats that are deceiving. And 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 it's going to affect Kool-Aid's numbers. I talked about this yesterday on Bama Insider, actually. Uh Kool-Aid doesn't get challenged a lot. He didn't get challenged a lot last season, uh, even with Ricks on the other side during a big chunk of the year. Kool-Aid just doesn't get challenged a whole lot. Teams don't go after him because they know how good he is. And, and DJ James is going to suffer that to, to some degree as well because he's a good player. So whenever you're a really good corner, teams sometimes just don't challenge opposition very much and it affects your stats because when you're a cornerback and you're assigned to a receiver, how are you going to how are you going to I mean how are you going to register a stat if they don't throw the ball at your receiver first of all if they throw it and complete it to your receiver you might get a tackle but is that a good thing probably not because your guy caught a ball you could get an interception which is obviously great or a pass defended which is great but oftentimes and since you're assigned a receiver it's hard to get off your receiver and come help out a teammate in terms of tackles and assists Cornerback's just a weird position statistically is what I'm saying. It's almost like the fewer statistics you have, the better player you are. 
because yeah. your job is just to take a receiver out of the play and and make make a receiver a non-factor uh, in the offensive play. That's really your job. Your job isn't to oh come off your guy and go, you get too eager to do that. You're going to leave your own guy too soon and and give up a big play. So I'm just saying. And next year, an even bigger thing. And Auburn will have this to a degree. Not as much as Alabama, I, I don't think. But I, I think Terion Arnold, who's very likely to be the, the other corner, he's going to get a ton of balls. Teams are going to go after Terion because, A, uh, Terion got beat some a year ago, some. Uh, and secondly, you're not going after Kool-Aid. And you got to try to make some plays outside. So Terion's going to get tested a lot. And I think at Auburn, that guy is Pritchett. But Pritchett's more proven. He's an older kid who's played more than Terion. And uh, I think Pritchard will hold up pretty good. I think Arnold will hold up fine, but uh, he, he's going to give up some plays. I mean, it's impossible to just shut down SEC attacks altogether. So I think that's interesting in terms of comparing Kool-Aid's numbers and DJ's numbers. If DJ's numbers are a little better than Kool-Aid's, my first argument is going to be, well, their teams aren't as scared as DJ. They, they go after him and Kool-Aid, no one attacks him. So I'm not really sure you can compare numbers I think the NFL, and since they both have NFL length and NFL athletic ability, is going to be the ultimate arbiter uh, in in deciding who's the better player between Kool-Aid and DJ James. And that's where I think the final verdict comes in in heavily in favor of Kool-Aid. I went through several mock drafts, no fewer than six mock drafts for 2024. Yes, they are out there. You just have to do some Googling. Um, And some of them are – patently unreliable there's no doubt but you know i'm trying to it's all about quantity over quality right this minute um every one of them had kool-aid in the first round some of them had him go you know as low as like 24 25 some of them had to go as high as three four or five wow one of them had dj james towards the tail end of the first round and uh and then most of them had him anywhere from third round to fifth round you know, so and I say most of them because not all of them went that far. A couple of them had him third round to fifth round. So in the end, um, maybe Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to get the Bama bump in, when it comes to NFL. But I think that also makes sense. He's probably gotten better coaching. I, it's hard to argue that he's that he's not gotten better coaching. Auburn was coached by a guy whose body was in Auburn, Alabama, but whose mind and spirit was on the sandy beaches of Mexico so um, for the most part that's where he's been coached but and I think another a better argument wouldn't have been is DJ James better than Kool-Aid McKinstry I think is would DJ James start at Alabama opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry I think that's a much better argument but let's go ahead and talk about FanDuel Jimmy uh, FanDuel I think you got a train coming through bro man my, my new microphone is kick butt <laughs> Uh, FanDuel, got to talk about FanDuel. Um, look, midway point of the NBA season is here. We just had the All-Star game. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book, the official sports book of the NBA, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back if your bet doesn't win. Say that three times real fast. Just download yeah. the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained, whatever you want. They got it at uh, FanDuel. And look, you want to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on. 
you don't want to miss this opportunity for that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. So many great ways to place your wager at FanDuel. You don't want to miss any of them. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Also want to tell you to go check out Locked On College Basketball. They got college basketball world covered upside down and inside out. And look, they're calling me right now about Locked On College Basketball. They're calling me right this minute. I mean, I can't believe it. They're saying, hey, I'm trying to get on with Locked On College Basketball, but I can't stop listening to y'all. And this person won't quit calling me. Quit calling me right now. Please quit calling me. But uh, he won't do it. He won't do it. But regardless, Jimmy, Locked On College Basketball, go check it out. Now, Jimmy, I got to ask you this question. This was a pretty cool thing from your cohorts over there in on three. They came up with a question of, of, you know, the old Marvel series, What If? And, in fact, they had a little Disney series about it, and it was really good animation, whatever. But what if you could take back one injury that's happened to Alabama in the last – Let's call it 12 years. And I'm going to let you go first. I've written down a bunch of them. And I have I have such mixed emotions all the way around. And while you're talking about what you would pick, I'm going to pick mine uh, and and explain why. But I'm going to let you go ahead and pick yours. I know I've put you on the spot. No, I mean, uh, it's almost an easy answer for me. I, I say almost easy. It, it, when you really start giving it some thought, what's going to – what's going to cross your mind is, wow, how many of these are there? I mean, there's so many to choose from <laughs> there. Uh, and, and I'm sure you have a list. And I mean, I've thought of Eddie Jackson and Vinny Sinceri actually being lost for the year, I think really affected that next season. That comes to mind. How about this answer? Bryce Young this year. I mean, what would Alabama have been like? Here's I'll get killed for saying this. I think Alabama beats LSU if Bryce Young has a healthy shoulder. Um, I, I believe that fully. Uh, I'm sure LSU fans are like, what? He played. But uh, I, I believe Alabama beats LSU with a healthy Bryce. J-Mo and Mechie, it goes without saying. But none of those are my answer. My answer is both Scarborough in the 2016 National Championship game. Look, uh, I'm, Bo was healthy and playing in that game. By the way, Bo ended 2016 an elite back. He didn't have a great season. He didn't belong up there in the Derrick Henry, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram discussion. But down the stretch in 2016, Bo Scarborough was beast, and, and, and he was becoming a national thing. And then the national championship, I think off the top of my head, he had uh, over 100 total yards and around 90 yards rushing just midway through the third quarter. And, and we hadn't even started really running the ball to start using clock and went and in the game, right? And Bo broke his leg. And from that point on, Alabama could not keep the ball. Uh, and Clemson kept getting the ball back and scoring. And, uh, and, and, and Alabama's defense got worn out, lost the game at the end. Uh, I am uh, 100% convinced myself that had Bo not been injured in that game, uh, Alabama would have more. Alabama really only needed one first down. Uh, one more first down than they got. Uh, that would have been all the clock they needed. <laughs> and, and to imply that Bo, who had over 90 yards rushing through two and a half quarters, wouldn't have found one more first down is nuts. Uh, I, I fully believe. Uh, and again, if I sound like Texas talking about Colt McCoy 
then then so be it. Uh, I, 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 it's not my intention. And it'd be different if Bo was lost before the game started. No, we, we saw the impact Bo was having on the game when he came out. And, and, and I, I believe Alabama was going to win that 2016 national championship game at Bo not been hurt. So, so that's my answer, but uh, <laughs> there's several that would be good answers. Man, you stole my thunder with the Vinny Sinceri thing, although you might not have meant it oh. in the same light, because I'm pretty sure Vinny Sinceri was hurt during the kick six and yeah. would have been the holder um, for that long kick. And I mean, again, I, I'm trying not that's to be answer. all Texas and Colt McCoy here. I feel like we would have had a better shot at stopping Chris Davis with Vinny Sinceri back there. Would he have stopped him? I'm not saying he would have or wouldn't have. I'm saying we damn sure would have had a better shot. Um, so that's because I can't be 100% sure that that, that would have stopped what happened. Um, I'm not going to go with Vinny Sinceri, even though I think that's a good one. Bo Scarborough is an easy one. If Bo Scarborough doesn't get hurt, I feel very like you said, we had enough of a sample size to see. Um, yeah, we were we probably win that game. And it wasn't like, you know, Colt McCoy happened so early and Alabama had screwed up and like in their first two drives so badly, that our first drive, that um you don't really know what would have happened. I mean, that Alabama team was immensely talented in 09. Uh, here's another couple of answers. And the, the reason I won't go with either one of these is because I think if either one of them doesn't get hurt, the result is a national championship, and that's Mechie and J-Mo. If right. Mechie doesn't get hurt in the SEC title game and plays in the national championship, even if J-Mo gets hurt, I think Alabama wins. If J-Mo doesn't get hurt in the national championship game against Georgia, I think Alabama wins. But yeah. I, so because I think if either one of them had stayed healthy, we win, I can't choose just one of them. The, for the, uh, the career award, I might put Dylan Moses. I mean, this is a guy that just dealt with more injuries, it seemed like, all the time. Um, and then another guy, obviously, would be Tua Tungavailoa. If, if he doesn't get hurt in the 19 season, you know, does Alabama at least challenge LSU in the playoffs? I think they would have been certainly more of a challenge than anybody else they faced. But here's my answer, and this, I'm going in the Wayback Machine to 2010. I'm going to go with Mark Barron. If Mark Barron's not hurt, his shoulder is absolutely shot in that iron bowl in the comeback. Um I think he we do a much better job of containing Auburn uh, already up 24 nothing, and I, I think we probably go on to win that game. But injuries are part of it. We're not saying that – we're not going Colt McCoy on this. We're just playing the what-if game. I mean, this is, this was something that you do during the offseason, and it's just interesting to think about how many close, close contests there have been where Alabama just had one dude hurt. And it feels like they would have made the difference. I mean, again, I, I know Texas does the same thing with Colt McCoy, but I I do believe there is a difference here. And maybe that is just my complete bammerism. But I just thought it was a, a fun exercise because when I started thinking about it, you know, there's so few games. Like, there's no, no injury or no extra we could add to the 2000, uh, I guess it was the 2019 game against Clemson Santa Clara. They beat our ass eight ways from Sunday. There was no, we couldn't add anybody or subtract anybody in that game that would have changed it. But a lot of our games, if if one of our key components had not been hurt, I, I feel a whole lot better about the game. Ugh, hey, anyway, I'll say this about 2018, the 2018 Clemson butt kicking. Uh, we did not have. Uh, our Terrell Lewis 
was lost. And so was, and, and, and I, I think Christian Miller was either lost or maybe it yeah. was his first game back or something, but uh, we, we, we were missing those guys a, a big chunk of that season. And, 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 and I really say lucky them. The outside pass rush. I say lucky them because we, we would have still gotten our asses beat. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. And they just would have been it, a it, part it, of that. This does seem like in, in, injuries have really affected so much of, of, of the Saban era. It's, it's unbelievable all the winning and all the titles. And here we are with these sob stories about how there could have been more. And that's just, it's a tribute to coach Saban in the program. It is. That lit, literally there could have been more if not for some bad luck, but Hey, uh, Coach Bryant said I quote it all the time in just about every speech I've ever given. And, you know, Coach Bryant said it takes two things, schedule luck and injury luck. And, and we haven't had a ton of it during the Saban diet. We've overcome so much of it. But, uh, boy, it'd be nice. Uh, I, I do think we got a little bit of better schedule luck coming this fall. Uh, last year, un the unlucky thing was every good team we played was on the road. I mean, it just all, all the good teams on our schedule – you had to play them on the road. And, uh, man, there were some good stats yesterday at Bayman Insider. Blew me away. I, it was something I knew. It was something I knew. And this might surprise you, Luke, if you didn't see this. It was something I knew without doing the research, but then somebody did the research. I'm like, man, it is just hard to win SEC road games. I bet the SEC uh, road record would be worse than anyone thinks. And I just looked up and did the combined road record last year in the SEC. All road games. This includes non-conference. All record, 34 wins, 30 losses. The whole league was just about 500. On, on And this counts undefeated Georgia and, and, and Alabama that's in the New Year's Six and, and Tennessee was in the New Year's Six. How about this? Alabama, uh, the SEC had the second worst road record among all conferences. Not the Power Five. All conferences. Only Conference USA had a worse road record than the SEC. And none of that is to say that the SEC is weak. Of course not. It's just hard to win hard. SEC games on the road. And that's why SEC second lowest win percentage in road games, uh, in, in conference road games, uh, only on Conference USA. Wow. Um, all right, buddy, let's take a break. When we come back, we're just going to talk a little bit about this, the update on the Darius Miles situation. So Tuscaloosa News comes out with a report about um, Darius Miles made a bit of an update. Apparently, he had the gun. He made some kind of comment about there's, you know, there's a bullet ready to be fired. Uh, he gives it to the friend. They were in Brandon Miller's car. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, God, no. I, I kind of knew that that was yep. the case. But now seeing it all out there, and it's sort of like, why? Why does this have to come out right now? Can we not just table all this till April 9th <laughs> and just see what happens? But um, right. regardless, uh, you know, Miles, uh, it, it sounds like Miller also in the here, – here's the positive. It sounds like Miller – uh, did all he could to cooperate and be completely honest and forthright with authorities. And I think that's the only way to go. And he, uh, he did that. And that's why he's in zero trouble at all, even though it apparently was his car. Um, so I, I'm down, I'm down with that part. Uh, I, Miles, I feel sorry for him. He's going to hopefully get what he deserves, whatever that is. 
I feel sorry for the family. Obviously, that goes without saying that of the, of the family of the young lady who lost her life. That is awful. Um, but now from a Brandon Miller perspective, um, they'll, as somebody said on a text chain we're on, there will be a lot of questions from NBA scouts about, OK, why were you even remotely in this situation? Right. Yeah. The NBA is going to have a lot of questions. Now, that is not to say that he's going to tumble from being maybe the third pick in the draft to 24th. And and it may not affect it. Look, it's going to be different team to team, but there's just no question. Some teams are going to have more questions than others. And some teams may have an eyebrow raise and it might cost him. It might falling from third to fifth, might from fourth to fifth, from fourth to seventh, third to seventh. Maybe it doesn't cost him a spot at all because the team happening to pick third is like, oh, we're well, okay. He answered the questions and we're good with it. And so it might not cost him anything, but it might. They're de- he's definitely going to be answering questions about it for sure. Uh, um, will it cost him even a spot? Maybe not. Probably not. Uh, but again, it would be a better situation for him if there were no such questions. Because other than this incident, I'm not aware of anything off the court. There wouldn't be anything but a plus for him. But this is something he's going to have to have serious answers for because uh, he will sit down and interview with probably 10 to 15 teams that will sit him down and have an in-depth private interview. And this is going to be asked about by every team. Why are you there? What happened? Do you own a gun? Uh, had you ever, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to question about all of his involvement in, in any serious thing that's ever happened because of this. There's no question. And in the end, I th- look, it's already happened. So now let's try and silver lining this thing that I think the way he handled it and the fact that he was completely truthful with authorities is going to be a plus. OK, yeah. again, yes. I'm not trying to say this is a good thing. He went through this. Nobody wants to go through this. What I'm saying is because he had to go through it already and he has um, come out of it seemingly unscathed. And and is and is shown to be okay. Look, I was in. I was. At, I wasn't even at the wrong place at the wrong time. I was kind of in the wrong situation at kind of the wrong time for me, and, and I wasn't even like directly connected to this thing necessarily. But I did everything I was supposed to do. I came out and said exactly what I needed to say and exactly what yeah. what uh, authorities needed to hear. They verified this. And so I'm I'm in the clear. I think there is a lesson there to be learned that, you know, that that's what you need to do. That's the tactic you need to take. His answer can be as simple as one of my teammates did something terrible and I told on him. I mean, exactly. One of my teammates did something terrible and I told on him. And and I don't uh, even think, you know, told on him is strong. I think it's well, I think it's almost like authorities knew about it. They came to me and I told the truth. And I told the truth. It's and, not like and, I, 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 it wasn't like he was covering for him either. He could, you know, yeah. it wasn't like he was covering for him. So, and, and again, God, I'm not awful. insinuating that Brandon did anything too terrible or he that, didn't. like you said, just wrong place, wrong time, but he's going to have to answer questions about it. And the, these, these NBA teams and NFL teams and major league baseball teams, you're talking millions of dollars. Yeah. Hey, you know, if you, Luke, and you probably do, have millions of dollars, and I'm telling you to like, hey, uh, it's a great day to invest in the stock market. You're not going to just pick a stock. You're going to investigate. You're going to look at numbers. 
you're going to read reviews. You're going to watch one of those channels that I think I get on satellite that I never turn on. You're gonna, you're not just going to pick one. You're before you make millions of dollars investment into something, you're thoroughly investigating it. And that that's exactly what I'm talking about here. Before an NBA team goes, ah, let's just give this guy, uh, you know, let's just give this guy $40 million and not ask any questions about his personal life. Uh, no, that's not how this works. Before you invest that sort of money in a stock or a business or a human being, you ask a lot of questions. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Once again, go check out Locked On College Basketball. And until tomorrow, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.